Good afternoon, evening, or morning. This is your old Uncle Mosh with Raiders Fan Radio, and you are in for a treat. Sit back and get ready to listen to one of the most insanely knowledgeable people you will ever meet talk about our beloved Raiders. Another episode coming your way of Silver and Black Flashback by Rich Schmelter, the author of the Raiders Encyclopedia. As always, thank you so much, Uncle Mosh, for that awesome intro to Silver and Black Flashback. And I hope to keep on earning that praise that you give me. And never to be left out is my man Murph, the host of the greatest Raiders podcast out there. Thanks so much, my friend, for the great opportunity you give me to be a part of Raiders Fan Radio, as well as having the chance to be a part of a network that helps out so many through the One Nation Foundation that benefits Raiders-related charities. And also, Murph, I cannot thank you enough for saying such awesome things about my new book, Championship Diary, about our Raiders Super Bowl 18 victory. If you get a chance, Raider Nation, please check it out on Amazon or go to the link provided on Murph's show. And also to Murph's co-hosts, Swag Jeff and Michelle, and all of the Silver and Black faithful listening around the world, I am so proud as hell to bring you stories of the people and moments that helped make our Raiders history so glorious. And with all that being said, why not get on with this, our time together once again on this episode of Silver and Black Flashback. On this 64th episode of our time together, we are going back to 1973 when avocado colored kitchen appliances and shag carpeting ruled a huge portion of American homes. Tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree and bad, bad Leroy Brown topped the music charts and all in the family kicked ass as the top rated television show. All right, enough popular culture talk. Let's get on to the rage of the professional football world, the Miami Dolphins. In just their seventh season of play, the Dolphins, under head coach Don Shula, finished the 1972 season with a perfect 17-0 record that included a victory in Super Bowl VII. Not counting the three playoff victories in 1972, the Dolphins had a streak of 16 straight regular season victories heading into their second game of the 1973 season against our Raiders. Those 16 straight wins were just one shy of the all-time regular season record set by the 1933-34 Chicago Bears, but including their playoff run, the Dolphins had 18 straight wins coming into this game, which tied them with the 33-34 Bears, the 1941-42 Bears, and the 1947-48 Cleveland Browns during their dominant All-America Football Conference days After that, the only goal for the Dolphins in regards to keeping their winning streak alive was to conquer the Canton Bulldogs' record of 25 straight wins without a defeat, a mark they achieved from 1921 to 1923 with 22 wins and three ties. Miami had to work hard for their 18th straight win by rallying from a 13-6 deficit heading into the fourth quarter in their first defense of their Super Bowl championship against the San Francisco 49ers to keep their hopes of tying the Bears' all-time regular season record alive against the Raiders on Sunday, September 23, 1973, at the University of California Memorial Stadium in Berkeley, California. So let's go squish some fish, Raider Nation! Wow, that sounds like a Dr. Seuss book, am I right? Okay, maybe I got a bit too creative with that one. Let's just get back to the story. 
Just like the Dolphins, the Raiders had to fight their way back from a deficit, but unlike the Dolphins, the Raiders lost their season opener to the Minnesota Vikings. After rolling off six straight wins to finish the 1972 regular season, our Raiders rallied back to take a 7-6 lead against Pittsburgh in the AFC Divisional Playoff game, only to lose in the final seconds on the infamous Immaculate Reception. They then made it two straight late-game defeats in a row and had to face the Alpha Dogs of the NFL. The last time the Raiders started off dropping their first two games of the season was in 1964, and considering they were going up against the powerful Dolphins, which were on the verge of tying a league record, the possibility was there for the Raiders to start at 0-2. The Oakland Alameda Coliseum was the usual home field for the Raiders, but with Major League Baseball's Oakland A's on a quest to defend their World Series title, team owner Charlie Finley did not want his field hacked up by the controlled mayhem of the NFL during this time. The A's were the Coliseum's prime tenant, and even though they were playing in Chicago on this weekend, Finley got his way, and the Raiders-Dolphins game was moved 11 miles northeast of Oakland to the University of California Stadium at Berkeley. The stadium had a seating capacity of 75,000, which allowed the Raiders to gain 20,000 more paying customers. Not too bad of a deal for Mr. Davis and his silver and black clad renegades. Game day was September 23, 1973, with a crowd of 74,121 on hand, which was the second-highest regular season attendance total up to this time in team history. The record at this time was set when 82,094 turned out in Kansas City to see the Raiders and Chiefs play on November 5, 1972. This Sunday afternoon in Northern California had partly cloudy skies above the stadium with a temperature at 66 degrees and a 12 to 13 mile per hour wind coming in from the west. The Dolphins won the coin toss and elected to receive the opening kickoff at 1.05 p.m. Pacific Coast time. Rookie punting sensation Ray Guy got things started off by sending the kickoff to the Miami 1 and Mercury Morris returned the kick to the Miami 16-yard line. The Dolphins were a run-dominated team at this time, but surprisingly, they started off with a pass, but Bob Greasy's toss to Jim Kick was incomplete. Battering Ram fullback Larry Zonka, nursing a sore big toe, carried on the next play for a gain of four yards up the middle. Three plays later, Zonka, sore toe and all, ran a sweep to the right side for a gain of 11. Two passes from Greasy gained 11 yards, and the Dolphins were inside Oakland territory at the 36. On the following play, Zonka, who had a reputation for not fumbling, had the ball stripped by Art Toms as he tried to run up the middle. And George Hitman Atkinson then pounced down the loose ball at the Raider 45 to end Miami's advance. With 10 minutes and 22 seconds left in the first quarter, the Raiders started their first offensive series of the game on their own 45-yard line. The Dolphins might have had one of the toughest bruising running backs in the league in Larry Zonka. Now Zonka was truly one of the toughest but not the only one. For our Raiders had a powerhouse fullback in Marv Hubbard, who smashed his way for over 1,000 yards rushing the previous season, and no better proof of his running power came in this opening series. After halfback, Charlie Smith carried for an 11-yard gain up the middle to get into Miami territory at the 44, Marv Hubbard took over on four straight carries that ate up 40 yards and got the ball to the Miami 4. Miami was noted for having a very tough defense, and it showed, as the famous unit known as the no-name defense allowed only one yard over the next three plays. 
The Raiders then called on 46-year-old kicker George Blanda to salvage the drive, and he did just that by connecting on a 12-yard field goal to give Oakland a 3-0 lead with 5 minutes and 50 seconds left in the first quarter. The Raider defense flexed its muscle on Miami's next possession. On first down, Otis Sistrunk stopped Jim Kick for no gain up the middle, and following an offside penalty on the Raiders, Kick gained one yard, but that was it. A greasy pass to Zonka was stuffed by middle linebacker Dan Connors for a six-yard loss, and then a pass to Paul Warfield was incomplete to set up a fourth-down punting situation. After George Atkinson returned the punt to the Oakland 29, Hubbard and Smith took turns pounding the ball, and their running skills got the Raiders to the Miami 45 as time ran out in the opening quarter. After Clarence Davis opened the second quarter with a one-yard gain on third down, Blanda came on once again and hammered home a 46-yard field goal that gave the Raiders a 6-0 lead with 14 minutes left in the second quarter. The Raider defense once again quickly stopped the Miami offense from getting any momentum, and after three straight plays, they had to punt the ball back over to Oakland. The Dolphins did, however, get possession back quickly when the Raiders made a rare mistake in this game. Daryl Amonica sent a pass a bit too high on second down toward Fred Bolitnikoff, and safety Jake Scott intercepted the ball over the middle and returned it 14 yards to the Oakland 41. That turnover seemed to spark life into the defending Super Bowl champions as they drove down to the Oakland 18 with Kick and Zonka accounting for all the yardage on the ground. Garo Upremium then missed on a 26-yard field goal with 8 minutes and 17 seconds left in the first half. From that point on, both defenses played tough and the teams went into the halftime festivities with the Raiders clinging to a 6-0 advantage. The first two offensive series of the second half resulted with each team having three straight plays that did not gain a first down. Then, with 11 minutes left in the third quarter, the Raiders mounted a drive that ate up five minutes off the clock. Now, the Raiders were known as a passing team with Daryl, the Mad Bomber LaMonica, filling the skies with beautiful passes. But on this day, LaMonica only threw 10 passes and completed 7 of them for 63 yards. Hell, in many of his past performances in a Raider uniform, LaMonica had those stats in just one drive. But on this day, the Raiders looked to control the clock with a tough running attack. In an 8-play drive that took the silver and black 34 yards, Hubbard carried the ball four times to keep the chains moving toward the Miami end zone. After stalling on the Miami 12, Blanda then added his third field goal of the day, this time from 19 yards out, to give Oakland a 9-0 lead at the end of the third quarter. With 11 minutes left in the game, and the Raiders on their own 41, LaMonica connected on a pass to Belintnikoff for nine yards to midfield. After Hubbard gained one yard off right guard, LaMonica went back to Belintnikoff, and the crafty receiver caught the ball on the 37 and ran it down to the Miami 27 before being stopped. It was then back to the ground attack on eight straight plays that ate up yardage and valuable time off the clock. The drive did stall at the Miami 3, but Blanda once again salvaged the drive, this time with a 10-yard field goal that gave the Raiders a 12-0 lead and all but iced the game with 2 minutes and 32 seconds left. The Dolphins did finally manage to break through the tough Oakland defense long enough to march 75 yards in seven plays, with the final play being a 28-yard touchdown pass from Greasy to tight end Jim Mandich. Upremium added the extra point, 
and the Raiders' lead was cut to 12-7 with one minute and seven seconds left to play. Upremium then attempted an onside kick, but Pete Banaszak jumped on the ball at the Miami 48. The Raiders then ran three straight plays to reach the Miami 42, and Ray Guy punted it in the end zone with 42 seconds left. Greasy attempted four passes, but none were completed, and after returning possession back over to the Raiders with 18 seconds left, all LaMonica had to do was fall on the ball to secure the victory that stopped Miami's winning streak and added yet another glorious game moment into our incredible lore. The Raiders' game plan on this day was simple. Match the Dolphins' tough running attack and fierce defense. They then executed the plan to perfection, outclassing the world champs in both regards. Marv Hubbard led a bruising ground attack by gaining 88 yards on 20 carries, and Charlie Smith added 80 yards also on 20 carries on a day that saw Oakland roll up 187 rushing yards. The Dolphins were only able to gain 105 yards on 24 carries as a team, and the Miami offense was only able to get off 49 plays due to Oakland's excellent ball control offense. Third-year linebacker Gerald Irons was a terror. He was all over the field, making eight tackles, assisting on four others, and he knocked down at least five passes. The defense also made quarterback Bob Greasy's day miserable by harassing him with a strong pass rush and a roving linebacker defense that was similar to Miami's 53 defense. The great defensive back Willie Brown completely shut down Miami star receiver Paul Warfield, not allowing him a single catch. And rookie punting sensation Ray Guy lived up to his reputation by getting off booming punts for a 49-yard average on six punts, including a whopping 60-yarder early in the fourth quarter. And then there was 46-year-old kicker George Blanda, who kicked a field goal in each quarter to provide all of the Raiders' points in a game that displayed primitive, smash-mouth football that was commonplace in the sport's early days. And Raider Nation, for another great game between these two teams, check out episode 20 of Flashback, detailing the Sea of Hands game from 1974. And this brings us to the end of another episode of Silver and Black Flashback, but there is still some major respect to get to. Kicking off my respect segment is a great friend and great author, Darren Hayes. Darren has an awesome podcast called Pigskin Dispatch that I have had the honor to be on many times and hope for more in the future. And Darren just released an incredible book about the early days of professional football. The book is titled The World's Greatest Pro Gridiron Team, the 1903 Franklin All-Stars. It is so well written and truly takes you back to that time period. And Raider Nation, please check it out on Amazon. Just type in D-A-R-I-N, and his last name is H-A-Y-E-S. Darren, you truly have a winner with this project, and it is an honor to call you my friend. Also to you, Raider Nation, for allowing Raiders Fan Radio to raise $15,000 for the Bolitnikoff Foundation. We truly do have the greatest fan base in the world, and I am so damn proud to be a part of it. And finally, to Jeff W., a loyal fan of the show, thank you for always saying such kind words about my show every week. And happy birthday, my man. All right, my silver and black faithful, I love and thank all of you for listening. And what an awesome family we have. And now, 
all together, loud and proud. Let's bring this one home. And how do we do it? With four simple words. So ready. One, two, three. Let me hear it. Matt, Bruce, Bamba, and everyone else. Here we go. Love you, Raider Nation.